We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. We're doing it live on Spaces because why the hell not? How are you guys doing? I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. Training camp, Chris. It's it, it's here, right? It's finally time to start talking about this thing. Yeah, we survived we're a, a month whole, away. We we survived probably the worst month of the year, which is June. The the month with no football, or at least no meaningful football talk. No excitement. I mean, mean, the USFL was going on. (laughs) Yeah, because we're all we're all glued into that. You'd be watching the CFL. BC seems to be beating the shit out of everyone. Go Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's all I got to say. I pick a team and I commit to them until I'm dead. That'll be mine. Uh, Oh, no, no. Something did come out of the USFL. Uh, Joe. uh, What was it? Jeff Fisher only won two games in his first season as head coach. (laughs) On brand (laughs) on brand for Jeff Fisher. Uh, it is. It, if you're listening to this in podcast form and not joining us live, it's July. It's the kickoff of our training camp and preseason coverage. It's awesome, Chris, because you get players and pads doing meaningful things for the first time since February. You get a chance to see how rookies are acclimating to the league and get a feel for who the players are going to be. They're going to make up the bones of all 32 teams around the NFL when, when September rolls around. And this is all fantastic stuff. You're also going to get hype, bluster, tropes. That's just a little bit. By the truckload. It's by far my least favorite thing about the NFL offseason. Other than the NFL combine and any conversation involving hand size. And I know I'm not alone in this. I know there's a ton of people who, as a courtesy to us, download our podcast over the summer and don't like through the month of June and don't listen to it. They're trying to show solidarity, but they don't care about anything that's not talking about legitimate, tangible football activities, which, Chris, you and I are a little bit like that, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Some of the analytical stuff, like it's just too it's just too much. You're you're or worse. You know, like we were talking, this whole thing is about tropes, right? Just bad things that exist out there, extrapolation based on nothing. Nothing drives me crazy. I was talking to Greg Thompson from Cover One, and he was saying how one of his pet peeves is people taking things that happen when guys are just walking around in shell pads and shorts, running routes versus air. And yet they're trying to dissect. Well, look, look at this clean release and this this route that he ran and the the, the route running ability and how what who cares? There's nobody in his face. Nathan Peterman looked like an all star in the NFL preseason and training camp. Like what? 
He's not a pimple on Josh Allen's ass in terms of being a quarterback. And yet he looked like a star in the offseason and preseason, which tells you a lot of what you need to know about the process itself. We're cynical, petty people over here. And so in that way, we're going to take you guys on a crash course. I like to call Offseason Tropes 101. A little bit of a crash course in the nonsense you're going to hear. Not just across the NFL, but also with our own football team over the course of the next month and a half until live bullets start firing in August. I, Chris, I, I want to play a game called Today and Yesterday. All right. Right? Today and Yesterday. Today, here's a quote. He's worked hard this offseason, and we feel he can step into Christian Kirk's role and play at a high level inside there. The confidence is high right now. That's Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury on second round pick and sophomore wide receiver Rondell Moore, who finished his rookie season in 2021 with 435 yards and one touchdown after being a second round pick. Yesterday, Devin Funchess is light years ahead of where he was as a rookie. That was Panthers head coach Ron Rivera in August of 2016 talking about second-round pick wide receiver Devin Funches. He claimed this, that this sophomore player was playing, quote-unquote, faster and with far more confidence. Devin Funches went on to catch 23 passes for 371 yards and four touchdowns, eight fewer catches than the year before, 102 fewer yards, and one fewer touchdown than he had in his rookie season. Wow. <laughs> He's really feeling it, though, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> this is hashtag positivity season, baby. Oh, we got, we, oh, look who's joining us. Ryan from Cover One, oh, newly of Cover One. Ryan, how you doing tonight? We'll bring him in here and make sure you unmute your microphone. What's up, gentlemen? Not much, not much. So you've joined us here on Twitter Spaces. You remembered all the positivity about Devin Funches, right? Oh, my God. How could I forget? Well, you say it's funny you bring up Devin Funches because what I was writing down, I was just kind of going over some things to think about, is the hype, the irrational hype is almost always a wide receiver (laughs) or a running back or a tight end. I can think back to how many times, me included, I talked myself into getting hype for Brandon Riley. Des Lewis, I would have some other one. Derek Rogers. Derek Rogers was a good one. Um, what about uh, there was who, one that you were high on? I can't think. Oh of. Oh my god! Uh, I want Greg Little. Was it Greg Little? No, it wasn't Greg Little. There was a there was a running back. No, well James was Wild. It Marcus Murphy. James no. Wilder Jr. James well, Wilder. actual. I wanted Marcus Murphy to make it just so that I could get a RoboCop themed Bill shirt. Like. <laughs> Like that would have been cool. It's gonna bother me. I'm gonna have to look up who who you were high on in training camp. For those of you unfamiliar with who's speaking right now, this is Ryan Sullivan, newly of the Cover One Sports Network. Uh, so I'm glad to see your little uh, hiatus on content creation didn't last very long, sir. Congratulations, Chris and I both raise a glass to you. Cheers. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice to be. Uh, it was nice to be back in back in it. I think my fiance was getting a little. Uh, uh, frustrated with me just kind of laying around the house doing nothing. So she was happy to uh, have me have something to do over the summer besides just sit on the couch and binge Netflix. So are, are, well, are you it like gives me, me something to do? Are you like me where you just turn all of your football thoughts? If you don't have an outlet for them, you just turn them on the people around you. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, she, and the thing, and the thing is like, so we recently moved. I don't know if, if you, anyone who's listening has moved, but it's really hard to make friends as an adult. Um, so I, we don't have a lot of friends here. So we're really the only people who hang out with each other. So, yeah, she gets all my football thoughts when I'm not content creating. She loves it. See, here's what I'll say. It's really not hard to make friends if you're not afraid to drink in public. Because what happens is you just go around places with beer. And people who'd like to drink beer and also like sports will find you. Or at least will gravitate towards you when they realize, like, what's this guy doing? All right, well, he doesn't have a shirt on. But also, he he seems like he knows what he's talking about, and he's got a ton of beer, so I'll at least go listen. That's how you make friends as an adult, at least for speaking from my own experience. So, since we're playing the positivity season game, I've got because that, that, that right there, irrational confidence 
in a sophomore player because you're you know that that player is going to turn it around, right? Everybody, it's positivity season, baby. I got another one for you. Today and yesterday. Today, everything from a physical standpoint, and now everything from his mental standpoint, has aged so much since a year ago that I can't wait to see him week one. He's in a different place than he was last year. That was Jets wide receiver Braxton Berrios talking about Jets quarterback Zach Wilson. (laughs) Now, yesterday, going back in the old time machine, Paxton Lynch will be ready sooner than people think. That was Broncos GM John Elway back in 2016. Chris, do you remember any of the Paxton Lynch era? Uh, I mean, I remember him in the USFL this year. That's about it. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Paxton Lynch, profootballreference.com. Uh, how many career NFL? Uh, four career NFL starts. Awesome. He Guys, don't worry. Any minute now, he'll be ready, though, right, Ryan? He only got – I didn't realize it was only four. I thought he had a lot more. And the thing is, you know, what I always think about with Paxton Lynch was – how it wasn't even that wasn't even the worst part of that whole transaction yeah they had to start Paxton Lynch but remember they let Brock Osweiler go how much did Ross Osweiler get Brock Osweiler get and he only started how many games <laughs> it's amazing right but this time of year this is the kind of irrational confidence and just the nonsense we're talking about well and it's always like you know, and I remember from when the Bills were really bad, but you look at like the Jets, I think are a prime example right now. It seems like they had a great off season. It seems like they did, you know, they made some smart moves and Hey, they could get better, but you people all of a sudden want to take, well, they might go from winning four games to six games till, Oh, they're going to go out and win nine games. Like, no, like some of these teams that like go out and make flashy moves and have like 13 draft picks, all of a sudden, people think, especially because now the Bengals made that jump. People, everyone thinks they're going to be the next Bengals. It's the next Bengals. I oh, there, there's so many. You can't make corollaries to that kind of thing, though, because you're talking about the one thing I remember about Paxton Lynch draft year. I had to look it up to make sure I was going to be right on this. I do remember there was a lot of talk that when he went to Denver, Dallas came in the media like, oh, why didn't Dallas take him? Dallas needed a quarterback. <laughs> what, what was up with Dallas? Dal- Dallas ended up taking a quarterback at 135, somebody named Dak Prescott. Yeah. So, so they made the right decision there. It's it's just hilarious, though, because everybody, you see some of the stuff about Justin Fields that's coming out right now. Everybody's starting to be, it's bullish on on Justin Fields because they go listen he he showed some promise in a handful of games and this looks good and that looks good it's you're you're talking about young quarterbacks young quarterbacks it's a roller coaster ride Josh Allen proved that right did he or did he not yeah. prove that growth is not linear and it's it's on the guy everyone says well he's in his second year so obviously Justin Fields must be better i don't know Ryan, who are some quarterbacks who never really made it? Just like in the last 10 years, who got drafted and never really made the jump. I mean, James, I mean EJ Manuel, that's an easy one. Jameis Winston? Right? Jameis Winston. He's a weird one because he's still, I feel like he's one of those guys who like people still think that they can save. He's like, I can fix it. Marcus like, Mariota. Gonna, Marcus Mariota. Uh, oh, God, who are the, uh, I mean, Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz regress. Uh, Jeff Tool. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't a rookie, but I mean, you look at a guy like, you know, Tyrod Taylor, who came out, had a good first season, never really got better after that. He never, he, the tape got out on him. He never really developed. But I think you hit the nail on the head that it's not. People think just, you know, success is going to be linear. Team, you're going to get better just because you're going to get better. And, but that's not the case. No. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be a very hard lesson. You know, you look at the team. I think the fan base that may have been the loudest this season on Twitter in the Dolphins. And, like, I think they're going to have a very uh, come-to-Jesus moment with uh, their quarterback down there. Well, and that's it, right? Like, you're talking about, so, so quarterback, again, positivity season. Boom. Everybody wants to believe that every quarterback is going to be better than they were last year. Even though history has shown us that that's not the case. Some of these guys don't progress. Some of them regress. Sometimes these guys are just bad. 
Like sometimes they're just bad. Like everyone right now wants to believe that in San Francisco, there's a quarterback out there who's going to take their offense to the next level because Trey Lance is this he's this physical specimen. They're trying to Josh Allen though. They're trying to do this thing where we took a a, a physical specimen and we're going to teach him the game of football. Maybe it'll work, but. Again, you caution, you caution optimism, right? Cautious should be where we're at, but we're not because it's positivity season. I've got, I've got well, another Josh one. Josh has thrown it. Well, I was going to say, I've, I've got another one here say, for he, you. Josh has thrown everything for a loop. Like, everyone thinks, like, you see that, I think whatever the Bill Barnwell tweet is, everyone thinks because Josh Allen did it, everyone's going to be the next, everyone who has a bad season is all of a sudden going to become Josh Allen. We can't see that we're blocked by Bill Barnwell. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said that, I was okay. As I said that, I realized that you're probably uh, don't know the tweet I'm referencing. Yeah, no, no, we don't because we can't see him. Uh, and you know what did it? It wasn't me. He he tried to publicly shame us once over our takes on Lamar Jackson, which didn't work. We actually gained more followers because of his efforts. Uh, we got a ton of interaction. We've got a whole boatload of Ravens fans following us now. Who now? Whenever we have uh, McCusick, Ken McCusick, also the from the Ravens film study. Whenever we do crossover shows, he's like, for some reason, your shows are super popular. Yeah, because your fan base got to got to know us because an ESPN guy tried to drag us over our nuanced and well researched take on their quarterback. So they at least know I know what the hell I'm talking about. But then Chris, like, I think Chris made fun of, or maybe I did, made fun of his male pattern baldness, and apparently that's what did. <laughs> that that was That would have been you. I said a lot of things, and then I made fun of his hair, and that got us blocked. It's like, all right, all right, big guy. So, I get it. Like, everybody wants to be positive about everything this time of year, but you have to caution optimism. And before we jump to the Buffalo Bills, I think this one is, I think this is fitting for the rest of the conversation. Today, here's the quote. The Giants offense has the potential for a lot of big plays. It's going to be real tough on defenses. That comes from Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepard after one of their minicamp practices this past week. Going back to yesteryear, this Jets offense is night and day from last year. That was Jets wide receiver Brandon Marshall back in 2016. In 2015, the Jets offense almost led him to a playoff berth. It would have been the first time Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall made the playoffs in their career. They lost a heartbreaker in Buffalo to miss the playoffs. You know, the, the Rex Ryan revenge game. I remember that game. They, I was at that game, and it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I'm like, how is a guy named A.J. Tarpley, who I've never heard of before, intercepting Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like, this was supposed to be your year, and you let it. You, you pissed into the wind. You let it go away. So they come back the next offseason, and here's Brandon Marshall going, pfft. You thought last year was good? Wait till you see this. Uh, the, the offense that he's talking about being w- much improved, 28th in touchdown passes, 27th in first downs, 31st in scoring, second most turnovers in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> it's night and day, all right, baby. Just not the way you expected. Well, did you see what Miles Sanders of the Eagles said yesterday or two days ago? Oh, no. I just saw Bruce Nolan's tweet about how uh, he, he compared him to – he just literally quote tweeted it with a picture of Vince Young in an Eagles uniform. He says it feels like we're on an all-star team. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. It's like the, yeah, because you we're live the, in Philly. Yeah, we're on the – this you is the dream team. Your standards are so low. <laughs> I've, I've seen your city. I know what makes you – like I've seen what makes you people boo. Everyone's better than you. Of course you feel like you're around all-stars. Because, Chris, that's like if you moved into a landfill. Like, if you built a shack in a landfill, you'd look around and go, you know, this place ain't so bad. Like if I moved into your neighborhood? If we moved to Tonawanda. If we moved to Tonawanda, right, you and I, we could build a shanty and look around and go, you know, we ain't doing so bad. Yeah. That's what Philly is right now as a football team. Yeah. It, uh... It, you know, and that's another team that I think you talk about linear progression. Like they made the playoffs, they're going to play a fir- they're going to play a what a second place schedule this year. You know, they may have uh, they may realize you know last year was a little bit of of fool's gold with uh, with Jalen Hurts over there, or it could be their division. <laughs> yeah, or they the just NFC play in the least. Sad, they, they just play in one of the saddest divisions in football. I mean, how the like look at your division champion got beat by a team that can't throw the football down the field. Like they lost at home 
to a team that just ran the ball a ton. Like, that's it. You just can't stop the run. Uh, the Eagles got beat up by Tampa pretty bad in that game. Like, that was an embarrassing wild card game. Uh, th- there was just a lot of nonsense, right? Just a lot of nonsense around, the, like, all of these conversations. Because in, re- in reality, once the bullets start flying, all of this positivity goes out the window and you're left with cold, hard reality. And I think at that last point about offensive structures and just offensive production and turnover and how things change, that's where I want to start talking about this because a lot of things are going to get said in the coming weeks around the NFL. A lot of them, like some of these quotes I just gave you, are going to be proven just laughably false because they're essentially answers that the people involved feel compelled to give you. It's like the whole, I'm going to speak positivity into existence theory. Or they're answers that the speaker has to give because there isn't anything else I can say that doesn't make both them and the people involved look bad. It's good. The same thing is going to happen here with our Buffalo Bills. And I want to talk with you all about some things that I've already heard and read that I think I, I just want to give my stance on and I want to preface it like, because this is going to get worse as we get closer to training camp until actual games start getting played in August. I'm going to start with our head coach, Sean McDermott, in a key piece of of coach speak. He was asked in a presser where he thought the offense was compared to years past after, you know, with the installation of Ken Dorsey as his offensive coordinator. And he goes, light years ahead. Chris, not just, hey, we're on pace. We're doing well. Light years ahead about the state of the offense and the installation of the new offense under Dorsey compared to last year at this point in the offseason. Now, that sounds awesome, doesn't it, Ryan? Yeah, you know, I, here's a question. Is, is there any coach as, as good as McDermott of saying a whole bunch of stuff and also saying nothing at the same time? No, he he's, the, a, he's, the, he's the reason that there's a podium in my garage on wheels that we used to get, I used to get hammered and Chris would film me giving my own version of post-game press conferences on. Why? Because I couldn't watch another Sean McDermott press conference. I couldn't do it. So he, I don't understand. He he will sit up there and he'll he'll give a, it sounds eloquent and it sounds put together, and then you get to the end of his statement, it's like, oh, he didn't really say anything. <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes, oh, our offense, yeah, light years ahead. First of all, light, light isn't light years like isn't that a, a measure of speed? It's Not a distance, dis- isn't, isn't it? Is it a distance of speed? Call in if you know. And this is why I love Twitter Spaces. Someone can actually call in and tell me what the hell a light year is. I just I know- think it's I. I think it's the distance light travels in a year. So technically, technically, it's a distance. I think. All right. Yeah, and it's best done by Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like, look, we we hear this, and we as fans should all get together because that sounds awesome. It sounds so cool that we should all get together and like a shitty '80s sitcom do one of those like group high fives. And then where we all just like pause in the air while the credits roll, like we should all be doing that right now, except what he said doesn't actually mean anything. It's something he's obligated to say. First of all, Chris, what if he came out and said, okay, well, you know, the uh, offense, it's coming together. It's not, uh, it's not exactly where we thought it would be, or it's on the same pace. Like that, that's not exciting. That doesn't exactly energize the guys who the guy who you put in the job, right? Like you want to you want to fluff that guy a little bit just to make him feel better about the job he's doing, right? Because you put him there. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. But I'm also picturing all of us giving a a group high five, like say by the bell when they get rid of Calstar Oil <laughs> when they they hit oil and say by the bell. And at the end of the show, they get rid of Calstar and they all high five. Or break into Electric Boogaloo and they do the slow motion high five at the end after they win the dance off. Nobody knows what that is. Everybody, is, everybody in here is more on point with what I said about Saved by the Bell and that high five. Call in if you were a Saved by the Bell fan because I doubt. I think that show. I think, is, I think Ryan's too young to know about Saved by the Bell. It's a little bit. I think Saved the Bell just before my time. Thank God Here's you're the, the lucky one. Here's a here's a question I have for you. Do you ever think I know we were talking about being optimistic. Do we ever go too far with pessimism? Because I was thinking back to has there ever been a time that maybe we we overreacted to offseason news and I think back to last year with the Jamar Chase can't uh, the football's different <laughs> and uh dropping passes in practice and he goes on and has the greatest uh 
the greatest season in uh rookie wide receiver season ever. And then you look at what's going on in the Tennessee camp where they're saying that uh the guy that they drafted, Traylon Burks, can't make it through practice. Does that you He's think got asthma? Like Yeah, because of asthma. Do you ever do you think we overreact to that stuff? Do you think when you hear bad news, is that something that's uh just well just go back and listen to our podcast <laughs> the off season of two thousand sixteen. Uh, go back and here's what I would say. I think it depends on who you are as a person. I think if you're a person who's been kind of in, like positivity has been ingrained in you as a human being, then no, you'll kind of drift away from that. Well, you're pessimistic beyond belief. If you're like me, who's just a cynical, gross human being, then yeah, no, you probably do tend to enjoy. But the worst part is, is that not only do you overreact, but you tend to enjoy it. Like when I hear that Traylon Burks, like I called him Walt, the, the great value LaVisca Chenault. Like he's Walmart LaVisca Chenault. <laughs> To hear that he also can't breathe and that he's not practicing with his team in the offseason because he's having... Like, you traded away A.J. Brown for this? This was what you did? I want to do a two-handed overhead behind the back dunk on this. Like, I want every... I want to eat this. It's delicious. I, I'm attracted to negativity. Like, it, it fuels me. I'm like Kenny Powers. <laughs> Negativity fuels me. Can we but, praise? But so in that way, you'll never get any of this from Sean McDermott. Now, can we praise Lauren? She just DM'd us, save Becky the duck. Ah, she knows that Save by the Bell episode. Of course, because she's our age. I just chose not to join the Save by the Bell club because I think I think you were probably was, watching California Dreams. I was watching nothing because all of those shows were stupid. I watched Pokemon. I I was a Pokemon trainer, dude. I remember being thirteen and some kid on the on the basketball bus trying to uh, trying to bully me a little bit. He walks up and goes, "Oh, what are you dorks doing? You know how I beat him." Instead of being intimidated, I launched, I waterboarded him with Pokemon talk until he was like, all right, nerd, leave me alone. No, you, no, 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 no. You opened the dam. You opened the floodgates. Now you have to deal with this or punch me in the face. If you're not going to, then fucking leave. <laughs> I will tell you about every Pokemon I'm about to train and trade. And so in any, in any event, we're getting away from this. Everything sounds like it should be great. But he's obligated to pump up the guy that he put in the job because Brian Dable might be the most successful offensive coordinator the Bills have had in 20 years, correct? Or incorrect, Chris? Very successful. He made the playoffs with what's-his-face, uh, Rick Dennison, and then immediately fired him into the sun. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. I lucked into this, not because you, you gave me no help. You get the hell out of here. And then he hired Brian Dable. And Dable now is a head coach because of the effort that he put in here and the production of the Bills offense and all these things. So the guy he hired, he has no choice but to be positive about him. It's hard to imagine a world where a season after the Buffalo Bills like change offensive coordinators, there's not some change. There's not some regression, right, Ryan? Like, this is what I'm looking at. You go back to the 91-92 seasons. Ted Marshall Broda is the architect of the Bills offense. He helps navigate this K-gun offense that everyone's like, oh, my God, this thing's rolling. It's crushing people. He gets a head coaching job, and he leaves. Tom Bresnahan steps up, former offensive line coach, and you watch a shift in the offense. They go from number one in the NFL in touchdown passes to number five. They go from fifth in pass attempts to eighth while jumping from fifth in rushing attempts to number one in the NFL. And for what it's worth, they finished that season with the best rushing offense in the league that year. So it was a smart pivot by a guy who was the former offensive line coach, which I'm sure played a role. He was like, listen, my guys are blocking well. well I know what Thurman Thomas is. We, who is it? Uh, Kenneth, uh, Kenneth, Kenny Davis. Kenny Davis. We have a great one-two punch at running back. We're going to lean into... Everyone's prepared for us to throw. Let's lean into the run a little bit more. And it worked. They fell from fourth to sixth in passing yards during this transition. But they still went to a Super Bowl. Their offense was still one of... It was a juggernaut for that entire season. <laughs> the Bills offense has all the tools and all the talent to continue this trajectory as one of the league's most potent. But to sit here and act like there won't be some fluidity and some fluctuation, it's naive, isn't it, Ryan? Well, I think there's a, I mean, there's a, just visually, I think there's a pretty good chance that at least the, with the way, you know, it's talked about all the time with the way OTA rules are now and the way practice rules are and how much practice and how much hitting and how much stuff you're allowed to do 
throughout the offseason, there's a good chance that, you know, those first week, two weeks, which they're going to be playing good teams, that the offense might look janky at times while they're figuring out figuring out what they're doing and figuring out the new system. You know, I think there's enough evidence out there with the move that they made that Dorsey's not going to be a just date, you know, an extension of Dable. I think he's going to have his own stuff, he's, you know, I, as evidenced by getting James Cook, by getting Duke Johnson. You know, they're going to involve the running back. There's, there's a good chance that week one, week two, week three, there's going to be some things that look janky because the offense just, they need to, you know, whether it's new verbiage, whether it's new formation, stuff like that, there's going to take time to figure it out because, you know, just with the way practices are now, it's not, you know, teams aren't able to get ready in the same way that they used to be. No. I think that there are going to be growing pains. Chris, wouldn't you agree that it would be dumb to sit here and think that there won't be, even if our head coach tells us that we're light years ahead of where we were last year? Yeah. I don't expect them to go out there and put out the It would be great. I want to sit here on, what is this? This is June 30th. We're recording this. I want to sit here and say that I would that the Buffalo Bills will put out a blitzkrieg offense on the Rams week one to start the season this year. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to rely on some of their tried and true methods. They're going to have because Josh Allen spoke on this and he said, "Listen, there's a when when all the verbiage and the terminology and everything stays the same, the structure of the offense stays the same. We're just tweaking some small things, some new formations that we haven't used before." some more aggressive, more attacking things. That's great on paper. I think in actual execution, it's going to take some time, to your point, to get get that rolling. So when you say light years ahead, yeah, sure. Golf clap, Sean McDermott. You said another fucking thing that means it's, <laughs> it makes me feel better but doesn't actually say anything. I don't know if, <laughs> hey, if he had come out and said, hey, we're passing really well to our running backs and we think that this can be a major part of our offense. That would tell me that he's confident that that's going to work come the preseason and regular season. But he didn't say that. Instead, he just threw out a trope. And I hate it. And so we as a fan base need to not take the bait on these things and get excited when we see them in the news. The no, next- I have a question. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, you go. Okay, I have a, I have a question for you. Because I've been I, it's something that I've been kind of stewing on this offseason. I've kind of kept to myself for just now. But do you think there'll be any kind of weird energy with and because I don't, you know, I don't work. I'm a teacher. I, I don't work in the business world, so I don't know if you know what the dynamic will be with this. But you have Mike Shula, who's going to be, uh, you know, under Ken Dorsey as someone who used to be Ken Dorsey's boss, who used to be Ken Dorsey's OC, is now working under Ken Dorsey. Do you think there's any? Do you think there's any sort of? I don't know. I, I've been. Th- I don't know why I've been thinking about that, but it seems like you know. Is that something that you think? If your Dorsey's are kind of weird to have your own boss that you're now the boss of in in the same role. Uh, do you think that's kind of weird at all? Here's what I think. I think that if you have a strong, because you're thinking about boss in this sense of like Ken Dorsey's the boss of the offense. I'll tell you what. I don't think that'll be a problem because even if he is the Chris Sean McDermott is you've said it before walking Ambien. Yeah. Even if he is, we all know he's a fiery dude. At the end of the day, if you have a strong head at the table. All of this underfight, like there is no infighting beneath you, right? Everybody's in the same boat and they feel like they're rowing in the same direction. If Sean McDermott truly is the head coach that we believe he is, I don't think this is a problem. I think that this is something that goes away. Like I think that they get along because Sean McDermott makes it clear there won't be any dissension in the ranks because I run the show. Ken Dorsey might be the manager of his, he's middle management. Like if you want to put it in business terms. Sean McDermott's the CEO. Ken Dorsey's middle management. Yes, he did used to be overseen by this person, but also none of this matters because Sean McDermott's the boss. He calls all the shots. I think that as long as you have one strong voice in the room like Sean McDermott, you're not going to have to worry about any of that infighting becoming an issue. I really don't. So right, one, that, that makes sense. So I know you have a meeting to get to because you're now part of the illustrious Cover One staff, and you guys have, what, a staff call tonight? Yeah, yeah, they they have a uh, whole staff calls and everything. It's, look at uh, you, yeah, look, look like, at Eric Turner. Eric Turner came up with us. We were just joking about this the other day when we were doing our very first podcast together. I lived. We were doing it out of my kitchen. I lived on the same street as the police station in Depew. He lived right next to a rail, like I said, a set of railroad tracks. 
And so between the two of us, our podcasts were just a sea of, like, you could hear sirens in the distance, and sometimes they would just drive past the house. And then other times, he, Turner would be in the middle of making a point, and all of a sudden, brah, brah, and it would just roll through, and there was nothing you could do for five minutes but just hear a train on the podcast. It was awesome. If we were doing that live, you guys would all laugh your asses off and also tune out. Like, it's it's it's... It's hilarious to see how far we've both come in our respective journeys in content creation, because now Eric runs a company that's hosting calls. Hey guys, we're gonna have team, we're gonna have team calls. Let's get everybody in. Yeah, he's, he's putting together. It's called organization of a company. Yeah, we don't have that. It's just you and me getting drunk and yelling yeah. at each other in a basement. But Ryan, ha- Ryan has not. Uh, it's new to him because he hasn't been with organizations that involved. Being organized. Yeah, I'm learning. Uh, <laughs> it did I'm involve learning being organized. Slack. I, I've never used Slack before. I'm learning to use <laughs> Slack. Like, there's all, like, I've never been, like I said, I've never been, I've worked in education. You know, I've only been in the workforce for five years, but uh, I, I've never worked in a business sense. This is the first time I feel like I've been part of, like, a uh, part of a business. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a good feeling, and you should embrace it. So, we, we, oh, it's awesome. They're, I mean, they're awesome people over there. They're all a lot smarter than me, so it's enjoyable <laughs> getting to pick their brains and stuff. Just like I like getting to sit here and pick your guys' brains about the uh, everyone about the off season, and everything. Everyone's smarter than your than you. You are here, Ryan. <laughs> here, I got a, I got a great I got a great analogy for Ryan to what he is to cover one right now. Ryan, you don't you might you may not know this, but you are. The Aaron Hicks of Cover One. Yeah. <laughs> See, as long as I'm not Joey Gallo, as long as I'm not Joey Gallo. Well, I'll say this, Ryan. I, I look forward to the content you're going to be putting out. Why don't you tell everybody before? Because I know you got to jump off. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your work and where they can find you on social media? Because you're going to have a ton of stuff coming up, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, you can find me on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SportsRack Two on Twitter. Um, you can find all my work on cover one. Now I have two articles out on the website. One is looking back and actually kind of, it was really interesting to look back. I went back and looked at a couple different, uh, really good pass rushers. Sean McDermott's had in the past, Trent Cole, Charles Johnson, and Greg Hardy, and looked at how they were used to see if it would give us any insight to how Von Miller was used. I did an article on Matt Ariza this week where I went deep into some punter stats, which I didn't know PFF had punter stats. Um, so I did a thing on that, and I'll be coming up with something almost weekly for the website. So follow cover at cover one. Myself will always be there as well. Um, but thanks for having me on, guys. It's always awesome uh, getting to talk with you guys. Of course, brother. Take, right. it e- take it easy. Awesome. See you guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's what I here's what I love about that guy. He's got he he's got some football knowledge. He's he knows what he's talking about. And yet when it comes to food, he's ballsy enough to say, "Take a pack of be- uh, bacon." Uh, what was it? Uh, the Bills helmet bar guy tweeted out today uh, that he got a Blake got a pork belly. Yeah, someone had brined and like seasoned pork belly and given it to him, and he goes, "You should put it in the microwave." Some people are saying that microwaving is the new smoking. 
Oh, no, many people. <laughs> and I said, you should let, I wanted to tell him, you should let many people know that I will treat those people like, it would be like how the Punisher hunts down criminals. Yeah. If I win the Powerball, I have to worry about, I don't have to worry about having a job and I can, I can afford a, a good attorney. I will seek those people out like the Punisher. You know what he should have been, he should be involved in that we didn't ask him about is what we talked about on the AFC East Roundup, which people that are listening live that hasn't been out yet, it's also being recorded tonight. But my idea of the garbage plate, because I think Ryan's from Rochester. Oh, he, would, he would gladly oh, we're gonna get take, in on this. take part in that. Well, speaking of garbage... Let's get to the next off-season trope that I don't want to hear another thing about. Take it, throw it out the window. O.J. Howard being slow, quote-unquote, robotic. A stark contrast to what it looks like when Knox is in the lineup. Now, we, don't, is- we don't want him slow like actual O.J. driving down the highway <laughs> in a white Bronco. <laughs> now, I, I want to preface this whole conversation with this. This is not a knock on Matt Perino whatsoever. Okay, I like Matt Perino. I love his hair. I like Matt Perino. uh, Here's a breakdown of the dynamic. He's a reporter reporting on the things that he sees during practices that he thinks people will find interesting. He writes articles about them so that you'll go to the website and read them. Or your friend will say, hey, I read this over here. You should go see it. And then you will go check it out. He wants to bring you something that no one else is talking about. So in his article at NewYorkUpstate.com, when he pointed out that what sounded like concern over our prospective tight end too. And the fact that he didn't look as explosive as maybe some people thought he should. I mean, it's, it's, that's all it is, is it's an anecdote that he noticed and printed. It's not a quote unquote story or a talking point unto itself. And it is absolutely not something that I will pay any attention to. I'm not going to have this conversation. I'd rather bite you in the nose than talk to you about O.J. Howard and how he fits into this offense when training camp rolls around. Do you want to know why, Chris? Oh, God, I'd love to know. Okay. The Bills' offense exploded in terms of production in 2020 and 2021. They had this dynamic ability to pass the ball, just working their defenses over with multiple targets and really great route combinations. Good enough pass pro to give Allen time. Because Allen, he's got magic, right? In the pocket, he's something to watch. He was the most pressured quarterback last year, and yet he was one of the least sacked quarterbacks. (laughs) Why? Because he's, he's a magician in the pocket. He can evade. He's so big. Do you remember, do you remember that Rams game where he stiff armed three defenders? Yeah. Like that's, Aaron Donald was one of them. He stiff-armed Aaron Donald and ran away. That's a thing that our quarterback can do that most quarterbacks cannot, right? So you watch the explosion of this over the last two years. When we did it in 2021, Dawson Knox was the only tight end on the roster who saw more than 23% of the team's total snaps. So... Chris, we didn't have a whole lot of tight end two at all, did we? No, we don't. Okay. The other two guys were Tommy Sweeney and offensive tackle Tommy Doyle. Sweeney played 75% of his snaps on the on the line of scrimmage, and Sweeney played 40% of his snaps lined up on the offensive line in lieu of a tight end. Neither of them are what you would consider prolific athletes for the position. Especially not big-ass Tommy Doyle. Chris, Google this. Like, be my Jamie. Google this for me. Does he or does he not hold the record for the heaviest person to ever catch a touchdown pass in the playoffs? Who is this? Tommy Doyle. I think Tommy Doyle's playoff touchdown pass sets him at 326 pounds as the heaviest person to ever catch a touchdown pass in the postseason. I guess who is the heaviest person to score a touchdown? Let me know when you find it. Either way, when you look at that, you go, okay, so last year, our offense was aggressive. What do you got, Chris? Says that you're wrong. Okay, who is the heaviest? Kansas City Chiefs nose tackle Don Terry Poe. Was it a pass or was it a run? Because Don Terry Poe, they like to line him up as a fullback and just run him up the gut, Kyle Williams style. Uh, I don't know if it was a pass. Yeah, it's- no. He was, but So he's the heaviest one to score a touchdown, right? Says okay. Don Terry Poe, according to Google. Okay. And we know Google's always right. 
Allegedly. Allegedly. So, he's one of them. But again, our tight end two position had no athleticism to speak of. Go back to 2020. It was a mix of Tommy Sweeney, Tyler Croft, who Tyler Croft in 2020 had that one catch against the Rams. And then I don't think, I don't remember him doing anything for the rest of the season. Do you? Uh, I don't remember him doing anything at all. No. I, and, and then, you know who your, your next tight end was? It was Lee Smith. Oh, I thought you were going to say Reed. Lee, Lee, the physical specimen Smith. The guy who catches like three passes a year. <laughs> He's literally a decoy when he goes out on routes most of the time. So with that in mind, the Bills have operated one of the most explosive offenses in the last couple of years with no help from the tight end two position. So when I hear this news about O.J. Howard, quote unquote, looking slow, you're trying to create conversation. You're saying, look, I saw a thing. This is how I see it, especially when he throws in the nuance of compared to Dawson Knox. Think about who Dawson Knox is as a football player, Chris. He's he was drafted because he was like Josh Allen, a physical specimen at the tight end position who was just so raw. He was this unmolded block of clay. And the bill said, give me that. And I think we can turn him into a tight end. Has he has he or has he not found his way? Yeah, Dawson Knox is pretty good. I don't know if you uh, I should grab this right here. Yeah, this is our Seagram's bets dry erase board that we have. What's the first one? Yep, Chris Dawson Knox hero zero. That means as long as Knox is a bill, if Drew puts him as the hero of the game, Drew has to drink his Seagram's. If he puts him as the zero of the game, I have to drink his Seagram's. <laughs> That's that bet. That's how little faith I had in that guy developing. But look at him now. And this is my point. Like, we've done the most prolific things in offense we've done with no help from the tight end two position whatsoever. None of these guys were ever a factor. So I don't give a shit if O.J. Howard doesn't look like Dawson Knox. Guess what? He hasn't done anything Dawson Knox-esque over, over the course of Dawson Knox-esque over the course of his career. So, of course, there's no reason I would believe that he could be that guy. Like, I just want someone who's competent. He's one of the he's a great run blocker, which you can't show in training camp. He's or at least in the early goings. He's also a guy who's injury prone. I don't want him out there hitting people right now. I want to wait. Let that let let that get to the season before we actually see anything about O.J. Howard. And also, I'm not expecting him to be a world beater. He doesn't need to be that. What he needs to do is just be a guy who can be more, what, more elusive than Lee Smith? It's not hard. No, it's not hard. That's all he has to do. So, st- so don't talk to me about that. Again, off-season tropes. Now, this one's by the media, and it's not Matt Perino's fault. I'm saying that now. It's just a talking point. And then we get to the players. Players and people making comps and people taking things out of context, or not out of context, but trying to extrapolate off of them. Micah Hyde recently went to the paper and in an interview said, he was he was talking about Kyir Elam. They asked him about what his thoughts were on him, and he compared just his football acumen and his study habits to Trey White. Here's the quote. You can tell... You can tell as I'm saying stuff, he's taking mental notes. That's how Tredavious was when he got here first. He was battling on the football field, which is what Kair is doing, but also just learning from his mistakes and learning from the older guys. Now, Chris, it's obviously good that the team's veterans, like who have seen other highly successful young cornerbacks come in and be molded within this system, it's good that the team's veterans who have seen this happen before are saying, hey, I see something similar with that guy, and that they appreciate the attitude that this rookie's brought to camp, isn't it? Yeah. That's a good thing. At the same time, anyone who's willing to venture any farther with that line of thinking is going to get themselves in trouble. Like, this concept of, well, this is awesome. He's going to be another Trey White. We're going to roll into the season. He's going to be awesome because he cares about football. He's learning so quickly. Chris, if you subscribe to that theory, how quickly do you think you're going to get burned? I have no idea. Sounds like you get burned. Well, I'm going to walk you through the history of late-round cornerbacks in the first round. 
Oh, good. Oh, yeah. No, no. No, because this is interesting. Uh, 2016. William Jackson III, pick number 24 for Cincinnati. He's currently playing for the Command Skins. Uh, missed the Redskins. En- Command Skins. Redskins. Missed his entire rookie season with an injury and then failed to earn a starting job until year three of his NFL career. Also in 2016, Artie Burns picked at pick 25 from Pittsburgh. Currently playing for the Bears, Burns didn't get his first NFL start until early November of his first year and only started 10 games in a season once during his four years with Pittsburgh, despite being available for all but five games in his final year in the city. 2017, Gary and Conley picked 24 for Oakland. Currently not on an NFL roster after being traded away to the Texans by Oakland back in 2019. That guy was supposed to be special out of Ohio State. They took him ahead of the Buffalo Bills taking Trey White at pick 27. Now, he's gone on to be a pro bowler, an all-pro. His rookie season, he was single-handedly. The, like He was on a, t- on, a, on a group of a cornerback group of guys like Sharice Wright and what, EJ, uh, EJ Gaines, who are relative nobodies in the NFL landscape in terms of playing cornerback. Trey White was our guy, and as a rookie, was a star. And also the founder of the Trey White Goalie Academy of Louisiana at Buffalo. He's, it's, it's hilarious to me that like he accomplished all of these things. And then as you go down the list, 2018, Mike Hughes, pick 30 from Minnesota. He's currently a backup on the Chiefs after starting just seven games over three years for the Vikings. 2019, pick 30 from the New York Giants, DeAndre Baker. Currently a backup on the Chiefs. 2020, Noah Alphabet Soup. Chris, what's that? How do you pronounce that guy's last name? Noah Igbenaganani. Alfartiaga gets down on us all the time because we can't because we can't pronounce this. Igbenagani, I think, is how it's pronounced, but it's it's not going to matter because he's he's literally he's pick thirty in the first round. Currently a backup, a frequent inactive, and on the verge of losing his roster spot. So Naga Naga not going to matter because you're not going to be on the team for very long. And also Jeff Gladney, pick thirty one from Minnesota, unfortunately passed away this season unexpectedly, but had been released from the team prior to his passing. If you're following where I'm going with this, Chris, there's something about rookie cornerbacks drafted at the back end of the first round ever since 2016. That Buffalo is the only ones to be able that are able to find good ones. Well, this is it. Look at the hit rate on these players. Maybe someday one of the quote unquote smart people here in Bill's Mafia content creation can develop a deep dive on why this happens. Maybe it's because the truly great corners go early or at least the ones that everyone projects to be great, the sauce gardeners of the world from this year. And then everyone else down at the back end of the draft just has traits. And you go, well, these guys have the most elite traits, and I'm going to bet on them. And that's why they get drafted at the back end of the first round, because those teams know, hey, I can't get them in the second round, which is probably where they deserve to be taken. I don't know. But what I know is, is that the hit rate on cornerbacks at the back end of the first round is really bad over the last few years. So... The fact that the Bills caught lightning in a lightning in a bottle with Trey White, they were the I think, what is it after the twenty fifth pick were the first ones to draft a, a cornerback who actually turned into something. We've done it again now, and we're expecting him to what? Kyrie Lim's supposed to what? Step in and just be Trey White? Yeah. Be anything close to Trey White? Yeah. That's wild. Well, he's learning. That's from crazy. Trey White. That's like expecting to go to Vegas and just put it all on black and spin the wheel and come home a millionaire. Seems easy enough. (laughs) Of course it does. On paper, it's always easy enough. And in positivity season, it's easy enough to sit here and believe that the Buffalo Bills could, in theory, have just hit another Trey White. What's more likely, right? What's more likely here? That he starts the season... Looks like a rookie, has his ups, has his downs, matches the system well, but also has some issues, 
I mean, because Trey White, his rookie season wasn't infallible. There was I remember one of those first games, Chris, against uh, the Bengals, where A.J. Green just ate Trey White's lunch. Yeah. Well, he we got didn't put on you... an elite wide receiver right out of the gate. Well, guess what? We're going to have a couple of those in the first month and a half of football. If Trey White starts the season on the pup list, which, you know, in a week or two here, we're going to get Kyle Trimble on to talk about injuries and just things of that nature. If Trey White starts on the pup list. How long How long do you think he, was that, six weeks? Six weeks. Six weeks on pup. Let me do this. One, two, three, four, five, six. That means he comes off pup at the bye because week seven is our bye. I have our schedule here. I'll drag it over to your screen. Oh, here we go. Uh, look at our schedule here. In-studio monitors, guys. Get yourself some. If you're a podcaster, get yourself some fucking look. in-studio monitors and get yourself a Jamie. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, look at our first six here from the Rams to the Chiefs. What what receiver scares you? And with the opener against the Rams, the Rams well, is... Elam supposed to cover Cup? I get, well, no, but I guess I who's, no and no and yes. It depends where he lines up. Who depends on where he lines up? But outside of that, like uh, Allen Robinson, yeah, Allen Robinson's on he, that team. Oh, he's on the Rams. Yeah, okay, that's there. a problem. So that's a fucking problem. So and out, you know they're going to try to get him on that rookie. So outside of outside of Week One, where is Kyer Elam's? Issue where's his where it's a problem? Uh, the Miami Dolphins. Oh yeah, Tua knows how to throw a football. <laughs> you 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 do make a valid point, right? Like Lamar Lamar only throws to tight ends. Uh, the, then the, you got Mitch Trubisky, Mahomes. Oh hey hey whoa whoa whoa! Don't sleep on Marvez Veldez Veldez Scantling. <gasps> yeah, I wish you could see my face right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but but the point remains. Like, there's going to be growing pains. This kid is going to have the same because, like, everyone looks at Trey White and goes, "Oh, Trey White's elite." Yeah, but he got dunked on a bit out of the gate there that rookie season. Right at the beginning, every time he went up against an elite wide receiver, he had to take his lumps just like everybody else does. He just was consistent. He was the best at being consistent week in and week out. Hopefully, Kyrie hits it. But it's crazy to extrapolate from one veteran comment about how, oh, this kid, he's he's doing all the right things. He reminds me of Trey. People are going, well, there it is. Well, Trey White, 2.0. We're going to be amazing. Also, you know how Sean McDermott handles rookies. The second he gets an opportunity to put Trey White back out there, you don't think that he won't if... Kyrie Elam is showing some signs of not having a willingness to play the run. Maybe he's having some struggles in some of these games against, like, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he gets matched up against, uh, what's-his-face, the tall guy, Claypool. He has some struggles against the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers. When Trey White inevitably comes back, remember, they went into some tough contests with Dane Jackson at cornerback and not only made the playoffs, but made a divisional game that they should have won. Dane Jackson is more than serviceable as a CB2. I have no doubt in my mind that Sean McDermott wants badly to bury Kyrie Elam back on the step chart because for the first time in his career, he doesn't have to force a cornerback onto the field. I, I just think people need to start tempering their expectations because positivity season and NFL tropes of the offseason can get away from you. Are there any more that you can think of, Chris? Anything else that's stuck in your craw? Anything you're thinking about that might, people might think too highly of? No, cornerback would be the one because of the Trey White injury. I, I think that we've done a good job of highlighting for people why some of the things that you're going to hear over the next few weeks, you have to take with not just a grain, not even just a spoonful. Get, a, get yourself a measuring cup. I'd say what, like a third cup? Yeah, get a third cup, fill it with oil, and then pour it on a duck named Becky. I hate you. Hey, Saved, saved by, by the, the bell. bell references. Yeah. I, I f- that's, get, what that's what we're moving into. Take that one Wrestling third cup. Wrestling references and Saved by the Bell references. Take that references. one third cup, fill it with salt, and eat it. That's what you have to do with a lot of what you're going to hear over the next month. Once the preseason rolls around and it's us against guys who actually have an incentive to hit our guys... That's when you're going to find out who's who and what's what. I look forward to that. 
And I also look forward to this upcoming month of training camp coverage. Like, this is going to be fun, Chris. We're going to have a good time getting into this, actually talking about real football things. I'm just, I'm excited. But I mean, t- well, part of me is not liking it. Because with my work schedule, as we get to football season, and football season begins, I'm not drinking on the podcast. I so. know. So that's that's the rough part. Until we get to, like, Christmas when I'm off of work. I legitimately have three open beverages in front of me right now. I can see that you have a... <laughs> what's the IPA? It's a Four Mile Brewing Allegheny IPA. I've got a moose head that's probably got about a third left of the bottle. And I've got a Sleeman Original Draft. Original Draft. Why don't you put that bottle back on the coaster so you don't spill it? I'll do whatever the hell I want. It's my podcast. <laughs> It's no, no, it's not fair. It's our podcast. Yeah, wouldn't sound good if I wasn't here. <laughs> oh, guys, I love this, and I love you guys for showing up each and every week like you do. We're gonna ramp up the actual football content here. Thank you for bearing with us through a month where we just had to get through it. We all made it out the other side together. Now it's time to talk about football. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be live on Spaces damn near every week. I'm looking forward to doing more of this and getting more of your takes and just input. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Rockpile Report live on Twitter Spaces. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.